On this episode, we take a look back at the cup competitions. We also take a look back at the team's state of play in the Premier League. And we look ahead to the game week of the winter break. This is the Tokitaka Podcast. of the Takitaka podcast we've reconvened in the middle of the winter break for the Premier League the games are about to start soon and we wanted to take a look back at the FA Cup the EFL Cup the games from the Premier League that happened and the games that are going to come up in this extended game week that's going to take place over the next 55 years to start it uh, i have RK and Radhaji today on the panel boys how have you been how have you survived this period with not as intense football as we had in december rajesh why don't you start us off yeah i mean if you mean uh, no midweek game and just go weekend to weekend then yeah i guess it's not as intense as uh, december but it it feels like a regular we just played yesterday so it, it and chelsea did too so it feels like regular week um, where we have a sunday game and a midweek wednesday game as well but but yeah i mean uh, coming to my talky point beating arsenal at arsenal has to stand out um we could have lost that game uh, arsenal could have been a goal or two up at half time but they were wasteful and liverpool just hung in there and were clinical in their finishing well one of them was not a finish one of them was an own goal but a great a great ball into the box and then a clinical finish from uh, diaz so yeah uh, very similar to what happened against fulham in the efl cup uh, semi as well some clinical finishing when it was required so yeah that's my talky moment just soured a bit by the trent alexander arnold injury against arsenal so he's going to be out for 3 weeks luckily there's a winter break so one week or out of that we should be okay but yeah the arsenal game lots to cheer about I, honestly it was a hit and miss we would have been i would have been like chalo if we get knocked out against arsenal away we can't really complain but yeah great bonus win for us cool rk what's your talky point Yeah, unlike Liverpool, it's been a real break, uh, or at least felt like a real break for United, and I think it's much needed <laughs> after what happened on New Year's Eve. Every United fan, uh, you know, really wants a break. It's kind of like uh, what Ross said on Friends, like you know, we need a break. So that so that break is going to last for two more days, and then it's back to hell. Uh, but some good news, uh, you know, during this break, also Sancho uh, finally leaves on loan. so and and the terms of the loan seem at least on initial reading whatever i have read seem to be uh, you know really good terms for united uh, 3.5 million euros loan fee and uh, almost his entire salary being paid out by dortmund uh, and uh, there's no buy option which means if he performs well there is a good chance that uh, there will be some market value so that's my talky point good start to the year i would say without any football games to talk about it can only get better right we'll see we'll see uh, for my talky point i think i'll refer uh, the audience back to a couple of episodes ago where i said uh, i want boro in the semi final of the efl cup because i don't want liverpool i would rather not have fulham i'll have boro that's that's the best place scenario and we've we've promptly went there and lost 1-0 uh, the only good thing is it's only half time in the tie because we still have to play at home so we'll see 
and apart from that we beat Preston in the third round of the FA Cup um, as a reward uh, we now have to play Aston Villa so that will probably be the end of that journey for this season but uh, we'll see so yeah I was hoping for better news from the Riverside Stadium but that's not turned up um, one team which had a good EFL Cup as Radhaji mentioned was uh, Liverpool 1-2-1 against Fulham, uh, winning in the Premier League as well, FA Cup everywhere, flying high in the Reds. Can't complain. I mean, like I said, when we connected last, this is prior to the Newcastle game. Uh, since then, Newcastle, absolutely dominant performance. Really could have been a 7-0, 8-0 kind of game in any other given day. Um, dominant performance, loved it. One of the best performances I've seen from this team. Um, then a lucky well uh, win against Arsenal where we could have lost um, and yesterday as well it was looking bad till about 65-70 minutes when uh, we scored the first goal out of a complete fluke and then the second goal was clinical count, like counter-attacking as well so I mean can't complain they're getting the job done and I know I mean the theme of this season has been other clubs kind of talking about injury lists and things like that but the unavailable list for Liverpool now can probably take on any of the teams uh, in the, in the Premier League we're talking about the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold Joel Matip Dominic Sabozla Thiago Alcantara well right now Mo Salah Andrew Robertson so so like tons of high quality first team players who should be in our team, but are unavailable. It's all adding up now. I think we have just four defenders left now at the club, or maybe five, if you include Kwanzaa. So, it's a little rough, but uh, can't complain. The boys are doing the job on the pitch. The atmosphere at Anfield seems to be great in the last few games as well. So, yeah, things are going well, and I'm really happy with the season. This entire season has been a big bonus, I thought. We have much farther along than I thought we would be this season. Yeah, I think when... um... I remember when uh, Chelsea and Liverpool met with all that Caicedo stuff happening in the background and the managers were being asked questions about uh, these transfers and Liverpool's midfield was the one that was being questioned more because Chelsea already had Enzo uh, and Caicedo was coming. So it was like, oh, Chelsea sorted their situation out even though they threw money at uh, the situation. You got Endo, you got um, McAllister and you got uh, Shubhaslain all of them have worked out already. I mean, you, you can already say that all of them are successes. And even Gravenberg. Uh, yeah, and Gravenberg as well, right? So, Sabozlai, he was my pick for the, the the yearly roundup. He was my pick for the size of signing of the season as well. So, I mean, McAllister is just... Oh, man, now that Sabozlai is not in the team, when you get to see just McAllister do his thing, he's just incredible as well. Uh, playing that defensive role and actually just... Reinventing that role, uh, so it's a it's a version of the role that I never thought we would be playing, which is almost like a pressing and ball playing number six, whose job is not to kind of his primary job is not to snuff out attacks and tackle and win the ball back, but yes, win the ball back, but in the in a different way through pressing and through through some kind of positioning and interventions and and stuff like that. So um, it's it's pretty incredible. I think uh, uh, can't. Like I said a few episodes ago, from a weakness, it is actually our biggest strength right now in the time that he's away. And unfortunately, Japan is most likely going to go all the way to the finals. So he'll be out for a while. Um, yeah, and Gravenberg, has, he, he's the guy who came in last. So you can clearly see that his fitness levels are nowhere near the others. And he's maybe playing 60 minutes 
35 minutes odd in games and he's he's the dribbling kind of midfielder who kind of gets you 30 yards up the pitch just given the ball he uses his body to shield it and can dribble the ball like 30 yards so totally different from the kind of players that we have as well that's the key thing they're all so different so we can just mix and match and play so many versions and combinations and please let's not forget Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott they've been outstanding this season I think Curtis Jones right now could be our best midfielder in the form that he's in so uh, yeah great stuff midfield is actually looking like a strength even though we don't have that Kaiseido type of player in, in our squad so didn't catch the highlights yesterday rather uh, but will uh, you know Fulham scoring first and then taking almost 50-55 more minutes and then suddenly two goals was it uh, was it always coming or did Liverpool have to struggle? And I think Nunes also scored two assists, right? So, so he's proving his worth again. Yeah. So, okay. So, the elephant in the room is going to be Nunes for a while. Dude, I cannot believe how some how unlucky he is. As, I mean, soon, he as, misses, as soon as RK said uh, Nunes scored two yeah. uh, huh? Assist. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's how that's how we have to that's why that's how we have to say it now. He scored two assists. Um no, but yeah, see, look, he does a lot of good work. The point the point still is that he misses a lot of chances. Some chances though are like really hard to stomach because they're like, you know, perfect runs, perfect timing, gets in behind like four yards, six yards out, gets the finish on target and then the oh leg God. of a keeper comes in the middle. Uh, that happened against um, Newcastle. It happened yesterday against uh, uh, Fulham as well. He's he's having terrible luck. I, I, just, I just wish this luck cycle kind of turns for him. But the really good thing is while he's having this bad luck, he's still contributing immensely to the team. So I won't say that he's back and he's showing his worth yet. Honestly, he needs to start scoring more goals and there's no two ways around that. He is proving to be uh, a useful player, but that's not the role that we would envision for him uh, in the team in the next five years, right? So he needs to start delivering better. Um, But yeah, to answer your question on the game, we started dominant. We were absolutely the only team in the game for 15 minutes. Then one defensive mistake from Van Dijk, a rarity, where he kind of headed the ball into the box rather than out of the action and, and nobody was there to pick it up. Um, so that they scored off it and they could have had a few other goals in the, before we scored the equaliser. They could have scored. In fact, there was a guilt-edge chance that Decadova Reed had where he could have squared the ball to an almost an empty net tap-in but didn't. He went for a weird angle finish. Very similar to Arsenal, I felt, where they made the wrong decisions. They panicked in front of goal where they could have gone 1-0, 2-0 up in the game. Fulham didn't do that and then you, and then Liverpool came back. And uh, the first goal was a fluke. It looked like we needed it because we were not able to get that final third stuff working. But then the second goal was just outstanding. Like, click Clean finishes, Nunes running behind, Jota finding him, Nunes perfect cutback, first time finish from Gakpo. So yeah, at the end, it looked like we were definitely the rightful winners. Like we, I think, were somewhere around two goals on XG, while Fulham was sub one. Um, So yeah, it was definitely the balance of play was towards us. But if you look at how the first half went, it could have been an easy uh, Fulham win uh, that we were talking about as well. So yeah, the two games now that Liverpool have just not, really fired but have come up when the when the when when it required and won the game so yeah it's not can't complain loving it yeah i think um, 
Nunes' luck is about to change and he's going to start scoring because Werner is back in the Premier League to take back his throne of highest Game. XG and just stuff like Nazar that. Nazar and Drishti, just whatever <laughs> Nunes has on him, please hand it over to Werner. I mean, this hand guy it needs... back to Werner. Yeah, he can do with a break, man, Nunes. Yeah. Uh, a team that can do with a break potentially and probably it'll do them good is uh, Arsenal. They obviously lost to Liverpool, um, but they've not been going great guns in the Premier League as well. They were top of um, the table, I think, at the start of December and throughout December. This is my one chance to take a dig at Arsenal this season. They've scored less points than Chelsea throughout uh, December, which takes doing. And um, they've lost to Fulham. They've lost to Liverpool in the league. Um, they drew against Liverpool in the league. Uh, so stuff like that. Uh, no wins, I think, or one win in the entirety of December, which was against Luton, that 97th or 98th minute goal by Declan Rice. So uh, suddenly it's like, things have broken down for them and definitely what they're missing is a proven goal scorer which is why I'm hearing these rumours about Tony and Ossiman to Arsenal I don't know if you if you guys have any info on this or if you if you think any of these would be a good move so um, what I'm reading swag is that Arsenal just like Manchester United and just like potentially Chelsea would uh, they're having serious FFP issues as well so I don't. So from what I'm hearing, somebody like a uh, Osimhen is just out of the question, and um, Tony as well. So apparently Raya was a loan, uh, loan, and there's something in the rules about getting multiple players on loan from the same club, uh, and also the fact that uh, Brentford will not probably want to lose two of their star assets on loan um, in the same. So it's that is also looking like a pretty impossible kind of mood from what I've been moved from what I've been reading. So these two names from what I've been hearing on podcasts that cover all the other Premier League clubs, it looks like it's not as straightforward as you thought. And I was very surprised to hear that Arsenal are not surprised in the sense that I know they've spent a shit ton of money, including this summer about Ketley getting Declan Rice for 100 million and stuff. But I didn't expect them to be in like a potential FFP uh, levels of uh, turmoil. Uh, so, yeah, but it's not going to be easy for them to sign big players, uh, at least in January. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure. We c- and I think Arteta has indicated that as well. He's like, uh, fans have to be patient. Most likely don't think anything significant can be done. He's kind of giving those kinds of messages in the press as well. So, yeah, I don't expect much. I think the whole season we were kind of, uh, uh, you know, at, uh, like viewing Arsenal from two prisms, right? One, we were saying that uh, Arsenal are not playing well, but they are finding a way to win, which shows a real uh, champion resilience. At the same time, we were also saying that, you know, these are the issues that Arsenal have compared to last season. They are not uh, able to build up play as fluidly. They are not able to, uh, you know, probably create as many chances as they used to. And it's the defence, their off-the-ball shape and work ethic that was carrying them. It looks like the latter part is now, uh, you know, the like the more correct assessment because uh, we were always worried that, uh, you know, the like not being able to convert matches, having too many close matches is ultimately, if you don't start performing, it's going to hurt you. And I think that's where Arsenal are uh, in the, uh, like, in, you know, in the month of the, uh, you know, December. So I think that's something which uh, Arteta has to correct really soon. 
how like it's it's a game of fine margins for me i don't think arsenal have been much worse than they have been the whole season it's been uh, like a difference of 10 15% but in the initial few games they were struggling for a bit of intensity that was shown even in the fulham game and they paid for that uh, the finishing has been a problem i uh, like all through the season we have talked about it multiple times jesus i think i think is one of the primary uh, like names that uh, i think alan sherer or has also been very very critical about him and I, uh, but against liverpool i thought that intensity wise arsenal were very good they dominated large parts of the game it seemed like you know arsenal are back the the intense arsenal that we know are back but again uh, something or the other keeps failing right so uh and and again against liverpool it was the finishing only whether it was havertz i think this time havertz was the main culprit yeah so okay that's the point i don't think it's it's very easy to paint a target like jesus is there to be taken right we all know that that's his kind of style of play is not a clinical finisher but actually it's across the board just look at martinelli I, it, so in the in the game against liverpool uh, they were arsenal were anyway dominant but when martinelli came on he had these two plays where he roasted alexander arnold right first it looked to me that alexander arnold was almost like not even trying to make a tackle he just stood there let him get past and konate came in and took the ball both times so i and it's like what is he doing what is gabriel martinelli doing with it the one time he got past somebody and then crossed the ball into absolutely nowhere and then he's also had some problems with finishing so i don't think it's just jesus in fact i would go so far to say that jesus's contributions to that play is even more than the likes of martinelli and saka seems to be like kind of uh, i think fatiguing a bit or something seems to be dropping in terms of his ability to beat a man as well which is something that we never used to think uh, he was always able to beat a man even though he's had some bad patches in the past so that's another one to watch out for and you called out very rightly i think in a couple of episodes ago that they don't have depth so who are they going to bring in if it's not i think trossard is an actually a very solid player but i don't think they rotate enough and they don't really give these people breathers uh, especially saka so that's something that uh, is is there to look out for and i think it's very clear i don't think anybody can argue against that havertz just doesn't make sense like if you were trying to bring him in, bring him in as that link up midfielder then he's not really doing a bang up amazing job if you were to bringing him in for a finishing game then that's just silly he's definitely not that kind of guy and they're struggling there but i mentioned something when they lost the previous game as well about them losing their heads i thought a little bit of that was back in the liverpool game if you even see the free kick that they conceded where trent eventually put that ball in and they scored and like you know just very remonstrating and just pumping his fists and thumping it they look like people who are like oh i can't believe you guys are doing this to us and uh, that that maturity when liverpool scored the first goal that arsenal have showed in last season and previous seasons where it doesn't matter if the opponent scores a goal we have belief in ourselves i didn't get that vibe at all once we scored a goal against them so um, yeah i'm a little worried about that mentality aspect as well and now if you look at the last 5 6 games they've lost they've won one and lost like three or four so yeah it's a bit of a mentally i think questions are to be asked and considering that that was their problem last year it's worrying yeah havert seems to be one of the main problems for arsenal because and uh, you know a lot of arsenal watchers keep commenting on that one of the reasons that arsenal are not fluid is because uh, arsenal you know replaced zaka and zaka's contribution i think last season the more we see these kind of struggles from havert the more it highlights you know while we may be writing off zaka for his history but he had a really great season uh, you know last year and 
Arsenal are really missing that ball progression once they cross the halfway line, right? They, uh, Rice has been outstanding for them. Odegaard continues to be outstanding, but on the left side, they just uh, like completely miss that link. Havertz, he does a lot of off-the-ball uh, things well. Uh, pressing, shape, etc. is good. But on the ball, I even in his Bundesliga heyday, when uh, you know what made Chelsea get him, he wasn't a great assister. So, he's not a great creator. He can keep the ball fairly well, but he's not a great ball progressor. He's not a great creator. And, you know, his his main thing is getting into the box and scoring. That's supposed to be his USP, but that's also not really coming uh, to the fore. He's missing chances. Havertz looks like, a, you know, when you pay 65 million and get someone like him in a number 8 role, you immediately start thinking, uh, and, and this has been the talk all through the summer, right? Why couldn't Arteta really go and get a pure number 8? And... Uh, you know, when I look at Saka also, I completely agree with you. I, and I think he's he's had a few breaks in between. It's not like he's playing every game. But even then, he looks jaded. That's something really, uh, you know, really wrong there. Yeah, you mentioned a, a really interesting point, RK, about uh, the signings and the fees, right? If you look at the amount of money that they've spent, and and this is something that I I think we talked about in when we were talking about the worst club and stuff like that. And this was a criticism that I labeled on Chelsea, right? Like if you spent the money that you have, how are we having discussions about the fact that you don't have certain players in certain positions or certain depth? How is it logical that we have that conversation? And we're having that conversation about Arsenal. The kind of money that they've spent in the last few seasons, the depth is quite low, like Last year, we were talking about Reese Nelson coming off the bench. Here, we've got Trossard, which is, yes, a level up, but it's still not um, across the board in all positions where they have backups, right? So then you begin to question, was it really wise to spend 100 million on one player? Yes, I think Declan Rice is one of the signings of the season. I think he's transformational in nature. He could be like that, has the only 150 odd million to spend. Just sign two players for 165. Um because Liverpool was faced with this conundrum when, when the whole Bellingham thing was up, up and about, right? Like Bellingham and Mount. So there were like 60 million and 100 million kind of fees being quoted for the two of them with huge wages as well. So, and we took a call that, okay, that's not probably, we'll probably get three players that we need in those positions. And we took a different call to not go and get that one on their part. I didn't think it was a mistake until I heard that they're in FFP trouble. But if they're in FFP trouble now, they're not going to be able to strengthen. So then it does seem like a mistake. And the other part is the goalkeeping situation. See, from I was surprised to see the stats on Ramsdale that he was underperforming on XG last year because I thought he was outstanding. But he's still underperforming this year. He's played just four games and he's conceded two goals less more than XG should have. And Raya's even worse. He's conceded three goals more than XG. But he's, of course, played more games. So... There, it's not making sense as well. And you, he was a loan signing. So it looks like they're trying to find value in the market because they don't have the money. So then I'm really beginning to question some of the fees and some of the decisions they've made in the transfer market. And we know that after Arteta's promotion, he's pretty much involved in all of that. So then you have to hold him accountable as well. Yeah, I think uh, the only thing where uh, we can say bad luck to Arsenal is uh, Timber getting injured. He would probably have been a really progressive force, uh, you know, playing on either right back left back but other than that you know you do, you look at Fabio Vera he's not really contributing to depth he's not really playing that many games as we would like to I'm not sure probably he's had his share of injuries as well but we are not seeing uh, you know really seeing him there Nikitia I think uh, personally for me his time has come uh, maybe not this winter but he he's a saleable asset which Arsenal should look to get as much out of and you know look to reinvest uh, in in their squad as well 
Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how Arsenal approach this window. Rather's obviously said that uh, FFP will define quite a lot of um, activity in terms of how they go about it. Just before we move on from Arsenal, just interesting to note that uh, since the last two years, obviously because of on-pitch activity, we've not heard so much about the Cronkies and there have not been many protests about them. You hardly hear anything about the Cronkies even from folks like AFTV, I'm assuming. I've, I'm, I mean, Arun can probably fill us on that but uh, yeah maybe that's something that uh, sir jim ratcliffe can take a look at once he takes charge of united and and you know the interesting part about ffp i also read recently or a couple of days back that newcastle are also uh, have had a, a loss you know uh, of 73 million so okay. newcastle very much at risk of ffp as well so i i think we are not going to see anything major from newcastle unless this you know, they have some trick up their sleeve. I mean, they have some clubs up their sleeve. Maybe um, something happens from there. I think let's not rule this out. Uh, Man City are the highest revenue club in the world, RK. You're, like hundreds, hundreds of years of, of Real Madrid being the most, having their own TV deal, having their own success in every possible competition. And Man City are the highest, uh, you know, revenue generating club in the world. So please, I think Newcastle will soon become the highest revenue generating club yeah. in the world. That, completely okay. legitimately though, of course, completely legit. You know, the, uh, that's that's completely okay as long as like Huddersfield fans say they can't, uh, you know, they still have 20k empty seats in their stadium. Uh, moving on to a club uh, which can also face FFP troubles and which I think next season will definitely face uh, FFP trouble is Chelsea. Um, I think, I mean, yeah, everyone keeps saying, oh, this is so clever. They've put them on eight-year deals and stuff like that. To sustain that, you need to keep selling all those uh, homegrown talents for 50 million every year. So I'm not sure how many of these we have left, which can be sold for 50, 60 million. But we'll see. Thank you for Mount RK. Uh, uh, Chelsea had a mixed bag uh, recently. They've uh, beaten Luton, even though it became very nervy. Um, went into a 3-0 lead, then Luton scored twice in the last 10 minutes. And they even had a chance after that to equalize. Then we beat Preston where the first half was meh, to be honest. And then we picked up in the second half, uh, but could not beat Borough away. And that feels pretty on theme with Chelsea this season. Blow hot, blow cold, good one day, average the other, terrible the third, and oscillating between these three states of matter every every game day so uh, i don't know if you ha- if you guys have uh, anything to add on the state of affairs at chelsea so is is the winter uh, transfer completely closed there's no there's no hope of so some poch 400 million getting spent <laughs> after after boro poch did say that we don't need to sell to buy I don't know what the quantum of buy he's looking for after that. Uh, honestly, I don't think Osiman is going anywhere uh, in the European leagues. Quarashkelia's uh, uh, agent has triggered a war by saying that he's going to go to Saudi and Osiman and uh, uh, his agent have gone out and publicly issued statements that Quarashkelia's uh, agent is doing hogwash and that's not true and I'm just committed to Napoli and stuff like that. Um, I honestly don't know and I, I'm not sure if that, I mean, I, I said that in the summer as well. I'm not sure if that's the correct move or is it probably better to just accept what's happening and maybe 
another season outside of Europe, which might be uh, bad for us financially and probably might give us a hit or a penalty in terms of FFP. But if it's a European penalty, it'll have to be looked at later because we're not going to be in Europe next season unless we win the EFL Cup. Uh, so I'm not so sure. Maybe uh, if uh, we sell Trevor Chaloba, maybe we can get someone in. He seems to have generated interest from Bayern and some other clubs. We'll see. But yeah, to be honest, it looks to me as if if Nkunku is fit, if Lavia comes back, these are looking more like new signings now because they've not played so much. So Lavia is an important one, I guess. But how, so two questions, Swag. What have you made of uh, Caicedo? And the second one is, I had I had the worst signing. My worst signing shout was. Um, um, who's the Ukrainian winger? Mudrik. Mudrik. So, um, yeah. so what, are, what is your take on him as well? So just on Kaisedo and Mudrik. Yeah, uh, I mean, I had the same reaction as RK. When you started talking about Mudrik that episode, I thought you were talking about Antony. And um, I think Mudrik's improving. Uh, he, he actually got the award for the best player of the game week for the EFL Cup. Um, the quarterfinals, not the semifinals, obviously. Uh, he seems to be gelling better. Chelsea, as I keep saying, is an extremely long-term project because you've got so many kids in there. Uh, Noni Madweke was an example being touted as, okay, Poch doesn't like him, his attitude, he was seen partying and stuff like that. He's given him a chance, he's turned it around, he's now regularly featuring in the starting eleven. Mudrik is showing those same signs as well, but again, he's inconsistent. I'm not sure if uh, I, could, I would call him the worst signing. Of course, the price tag doesn't help. And I think that's the case with Caicedo as well. I think the price tag is really playing on his mind. If I can throw in an example from a different sport, when Ishan Kishan went for 15.5 in the IPL that season, he was properly shite. Um, I think it's a bit of that for Caicedo as well, plus a lot of upheaval. He's been traveling quite a lot because of the South American qualifiers. He did give an interview about how he's confident that things will turn around. I hope that that is the case because no one's going to fork out the kind of money if we wanted to move him on. So we would take a massive hit in case Kaisido was to be sold, which I'm not sure that anyone's even contemplating for the next three, four years at least, considering his contract is eight and a half. Uh, I would say that the biggest disappointments for me this season are uh, definitely the medical situation. You look at... like. Poch wanted to play with uh, one fullback bombing forward, the other staying back to form uh, a defensive line. Chilwell out, James out, staying out. Gusto comes in, gets red carded, gets injured. Uh, Ian Martin, who's who should have been the other fullback, has not been played in that position by Poch. He's going to Dortmund, which, uh, given all the history of Dortmund with young players, should tell you something that we probably don't know. Um, so I'm I'm not so sure we've been playing Colville Disasi at at fullback positions. It's it's not worked out well. I, I mean, questions need to be asked of Poch as well. I don't see him at being any sort of threat of firing even though there are some uh, Twitter uh, headlines about this after, particularly after Boro but I think at least this season he's definitely there and we'll see at the end of the season how this pans out but I mean I'm hopeful I'm just I just don't want to look at the score lines for this season I'm like can we just um, can we just uh, 
ignore what it is or in football manager terms can we just simulate the season and see at the end of the table end of the season where we end up go on holiday uh, yeah. so rk uh, that's an interesting uh, um, thing that swag mentioned about the price tag so is price tag the reason for antony also if if you mean uh, you know compared to market value how much uh, they have been bought for i i would feel definitely yes because united scouting department valued him at 25 million during sozja's time and and he was bought for 85 million so that's 3.5 times you know what we ourselves valued him and he looks like a 25 million player if if we try to sell antony in the summer i think a lot of us would wouldn't even bet on him getting 25 million so i think the lesser we talk of antony the better but you know the 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 like the only positive thing to note when whenever i talk of antony the first name that comes to mind right now is garnacho because garnacho has been able to uh, transition to the right wing pretty well in the couple of games that he's played where played there which we didn't really expect because all through his academy years and uh, uh, you know whenever he's played for united he's he's been a left winger predominantly and he had a couple of games on, on the right i think uh, maybe one during pre season and one during the season but that didn't go so well but recently he's he's really done well from there he he still has uh, you know sometimes when he plays on that right side so hopefully uh, with amad diallo also uh, not at match fit but uh, game fit uh, hopefully uh, between diallo and garnacho as long as rashford doesn't put up one of those newcastle displays uh, lazy as displays we would still get to choose between either of them on the right and keep antony out so I, i would say that's the only positive news i have about antony but but yeah. you know uh, i think i think yeah I, i already talked about it the other right winger that we had uh, the other candidate that we had on the right wing he's already gone on loan so it really looks like a jinxed uh, uh, spot as well i really hope that garnacho can do something about it so i yes. was uh, listening on the i think uh, the gary neville podcast or one of the maybe the overlap or something where they were talking about how um, the performance of the guys who've left united um, uh, um, elanga has a, is, has been having one of the like you know he's one of the wingers of the season uh, there as well so is that like a huge trick missed or is it just that he's doing well at a small club yeah it's it's more of the latter uh, elanga is a good player he has really good attributes uh, which can serve him well in the premier league but he never looked like a player who would be able to make it at united uh, of course you always have those sentimentalities associated with an academy player but he was always about pace uh, so if he's playing in a counter attacking team he can run in behind decent finish on him but if if you ask him to beat a man one on one he's not really he's not very good at it so that's where he used to struggle with united whenever we used to play against deeper defenses you you just couldn't expect him to kind of take on a man beat him put in a you know great cross so he's he's just about a decent player and i'm really happy for him and probably we undersold him looking at his performances but uh, it's it's the right call to sell him yeah underselling players is something united has rather gathered a, a reputation for now looking at people like Ted and Mengi as well who who are generating interest from other premier league clubs and you sold him for like i think a million if i'm not mistaken yeah, something yeah. like that so yeah you you understand your I own academy are, yeah uh, you look at james garner as well james garner hmm. at everton is starting i guess almost every game right now i haven't been able to see too much of him but if he's able to start every game at a club which is not performed badly that also says uh, 
and probably you know when i look at our squad someone like an amrabad we we gave him a 10 million loan fee we have sold garner for 15 million because of ffp issues we could just about have kept garner and uh, you know made more use of him i feel so we we definitely seem to get a lot of things wrong and that's something that uh, ratcliffe talked about when uh, he did something uh, last week which glazers have never done which is call a town hall uh, ratcliffe and uh, and his uh, so, you know some of his people were also there with him and he spoke about what all things are wrong so i mean you know it's it's such small small things that glazers haven't done in 18 years So it's something just, just remind me wasn't there a ceo or somebody i don't remember his name but wasn't there a guy who the guy who maybe came um a few year two three years ago as the um technical director or something didn't he have a town hall as well and and uh, invited people to voice Marta. their concerns about the club no, no, richard arnold did do those kind of things i don't think he had a town hall but yes he was good at reaching out to fans or staff I I am talking of the owners uh, you know yeah, coming and right. doing it lasers have never done anything like that standing there with a 15 slide deck going where we are swot analysis where we are going to go strengths financial strength weakness sancho anyway I'll I'll stop my silly jokes for now um <laughs> moving swiftly on uh, the games that are coming up in this extended game week that i said earlier is going to go on for 10 11 days um, two games stand out for me united versus spurs and newcastle versus city now newcastle are walking wounded right now and city are back with kevin de bruyne with that proper james bond villain hairstyle he's back for blood um, i don't see newcastle getting a look in here to be honest even though they're at home United Spurs is the much more open one. Um, United are at home. Spurs are the form team. This one should be interesting. RK, what do you think? Yeah, look, I have. Uh, I think of all the people on the spot, I, I, I probably have been the one least complimentary about Spurs, and that might come back and bite me. Uh, Spurs definitely, um, uh, you know, they play very well in position, but they always give you a chance. Uh, in terms of conceding chances or in terms of scoring goals that would have been a good thing to be saying except that united can't seem to uh, be able to finish at all so sorry team in the league so that's not something that uh, we can uh, we have to try and take advantage of that but not sure if we'll be able to uh, i am just hoping that against spurs some of the better things about our game come out than you know what we have become used to so the second half against aston villa for example uh we only seem to play well when we get our press right and we are able to win the ball high up the pitch play you know in the in the opponent's final third the moment that breaks down i am still the, uh, you know no one is convinced about the other parts of united's game so the hope for united fans would be play aggressively try to keep them in their half and you know try to create chances that way and uh, on the inevitable counters that son and company are going to get hope for the best so I, I i think that's the there's only no, way for there's no sound your jinx yeah. your jinxes for actual people who are going to play rk there's no sound oh, see see that's that's how out of touch united have made me so i don't even know that son is injured he's not injured he's gone for the Af- the asia oh, cup oh yeah yeah oh my so but but yeah he's out for a while um But yeah, uh, swag on the. I don't know whether you got the same feeling, but yeah, Bond villain and all is fine. But was there a little bit of Fernando Torres uh, in 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 his look? I 
I just uh, looked at him you and I was like thinking that. yeah I I, I, and I, I see what you mean and I'm just hoping that it was the Fernando Torres of Chelsea and not the Fernando Torres <laughs> of of Liverpool because that will be really helpful for the rest of the season for everyone else yeah I think uh, we'll find out once the other blonde bombshell of city joins back which I think is supposed to happen soon as well I mean Newcastle will be hoping it's not this week but i think that is expected to happen in some sort of level yeah i, if, I think not that a gothic guy will make uh, you know make up for that absence will potent yeah i i think newcastle are done for um, mm. i think this is going to be a spiraling season from here uh, it's very hard to st- plug um, the league in a season like this when you are out of so many players you have to play so many people who are not used to playing and you have to play them every week that leads to more injuries and it's just a constant now revolving door they're going to have of injuries for the rest of the season because people are being played out of position they're being played too much so it's going to go really badly for them i think city are going to make mincemeat uh, out of them um, if or vi- vi- like if haland comes or doesn't come i think anyway it's a, it's a it's a done deal i also don't know about eddie house level and ability to uh, solve those kinds of problems so yeah i see man city getting over the line easily and i think without son but with werner you never know but without son maybe uh, united should be able to get some points there as well yeah i think uh, newcastle while i definitely agree with you that they are going to get pounded by city but for the rest of the season given that they are out of europe completely similar to united but whenever you, newcastle have played well the, uh, you know it always looks as if the fundamentals are good so with lesser games to play and uh, when as and when they get more players back i think newcastle will still try to make a uh, like something out of the season yeah I think um, on that note um, we'll uh, wrap up this edition of the Toki Taka podcast. I think we are hopefully looking forward to a good game week for our teams. Uh, RK has kept the jinxing to a minimum apart from trying to jinx a person who's not even in the same continent. Um, so we'll see how these games go and we'll uh, so we'll so the sorry to cut your uh... you know farewell apart but the asian cup uh, kind of talking about it just reminded me that uh, if not the world cup uh, indians also have a you know something to look forward to even if even if we'll end up losing 3-0 4-0 in at least a cup of games at, at least at least we get to see our team on the world stage again if if yeah. we can somehow get a game against son hyung min or something like that it'll be pretty mitoma yeah it'll be crazy yeah Yeah, so here's hoping that um, when we next speak, uh, India are uh, doing well in the Asian Cup, listeners. And going by the demographics and the analysis that we do of our podcast, I think that's around half of you. So I guess half of you are at least thinking the same thing. Uh, for the rest of you, give that a go. You might be surprised pleasantly. Um, on that note, we'll stop here and we'll see you again in a few days. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.